Hey everybody, welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live. Happy to have you join us here for episode 16. Got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, Jim, welcome, how are you? I, I am good and um, first and foremost, thank you uh, to everybody uh, who downloaded and listened to our episode 15 uh, where we talked about my brother. Um, appreciate everybody's kind thoughts um, on that. Um, a lot of people reached out whether it was on the wrestling group that we're a part of or or others as well who downloaded it um, and listened. Uh, appreciate that you listened. Appreciate the uh, the kind words about the episode and and the memories that Tom and I shared. Um, and and shout out to Annette. Um, I haven't answered this in our group yet. Um, yes, she is right. The wizard that we talked about, who was the manager of Kamala early on in his run um, in WWF, was in fact King Curtis Iakea. Um, I went and YouTube searched a little bit and. She nailed it. Um, so we couldn't couldn't quite figure out who that was last week. Um, we knew it wasn't the Grand Wizards because he'd been dead for like three years at that point. So it definitely wasn't him. Um, but uh, it was King Curtis Iakea was the wizard. Kind of looked like a old creepy guy who lived in a cave or something. I don't know. It was weird. But um, so shout out to Annette um, for catching that. She's got a uh, a heck of a memory when it comes to wrestling stuff as well. So. Um, so anyways, thanks for all that, guys. And uh, hopefully this week um, we can uh, just kind of talk wrestling as it is right now, um, which will be a good thing for me, too. So thanks for the ability to do that, Tom. And uh, we've got uh, a number of things to talk about uh, in wrestling this week. Uh, we did not obviously do our head to head uh, due to situations for all out. Uh, but we are both up to speed on All Out and uh, thought we would start off this week with uh, kind of our three big things segment, um, talking about All Out. Uh, Tom, do you want to take the first one? You want me to? We didn't really talk about that part. Yeah, um, you you watched it. So again, listeners that you've you've heard, I you know, this is twice. So third time will be the charm. Twice I've said on this podcast, I'm definitely ordering the show. And twice I've not answered the bell. So call me out, shake your head, wag your finger at me, however you choose to do it. I take your scorn and I it's well-deserved. Uh, that being said, unless the Big Ten football season does materialize in the next month, which who knows in this world that we live in, um, I do believe that by the time full gear comes about, I should be able to, notice I'm emphasizing the word should, I should be able to order that show and watch that show live. I don't want to not support AEW. I enjoy the product a lot. It's just other circumstances prevent that and being incredibly mindful with my disposable income. So again, probably more than anyone cares to hear about. And uh, you know, the tiny violin you hear in the background is the one that's playing for me. <laughs> so you watch the show live, you start us off and then I'll, I'll jump on. After I did. That. Well, and I, and I didn't catch it live, but I did catch it, uh, what was it, Tuesday, I think, finally, I got a chance to watch the show. Um, you know, the first thing that stuck out, stuck out to me, um, and, and you and I talked about this off-air a little bit, was the tag team scene. We've talked about the tag team scene a lot. Um, of course, FTR won the tag team titles on Saturday night, uh, beating Omega and Paige. Uh, neither Tom nor I have finished uh, dynamite yet from this week. Um, I'm about an hour into it. Tom's about three minutes into it. Um, so, um, so, uh, we, I, I can't speak to, um, how the, the aftermath plays out, uh, from some of this, but, um, from what I, what I saw on from Saturday night, um, 
FTR is, is just not clicking for a lot of people, I think, right now in AEW. Um, they're, they're good. There's nothing terrible about it. Um, it's not real sloppy or anything. I, I don't think anyways, there just, there seems to be a disconnect and I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's just, um, connection with their opponents. Um, I, I can't think of the word I want there. Um, but, uh, or, or what, because they certainly had great matches in NXT, uh, with the likes of American alpha and DIY and other teams as well. Um, and nothing's been, to me, nothing's been bad from them in AEW, but just nothing's made me go, oh yeah, that's the best team in the world, or that's one of the best teams in the world. Um, I, I wonder if people are comparing a lot of FTR's tag matches to the tag match that Hangman and, pa Hangman and Page, yeah, Hangman and Omega um, had with the Bucks uh, back at whatever show that was. Um, was that Revolution or? Revolution, yep. Revolution was February. there. Um, you know, there's and not that, too many that was, to happen this calendar year. Oh my goodness. Like, that seems like it was forever ago. Um, the longest and shortest year of my life so far. Um, you know, but, um, it, uh, so I don't know if they're comparing it to that, which was great. It was an outstanding, you know, Meltzer calls it the greatest tag match ever. Uh, I don't know if that, you know, you start talking about the greatest things ever. And I start thinking about edge and Randy Orton and I don't want to go there. Um, but it was a great tag match. Absolutely. It was awesome. Um, I didn't think FTR Omega page was even the best tag match on this show. Um, I thought that went to young bucks versus Jurassic express. Um, Jurassic express, I think is one of the most, I I'm going to say underrated, but that's only because they're, they're not in any sort of a storyline really, other than Omega bullying Marco stunt or whatever. Um, which is just, that's more about Omega and where his trajectory seems to be headed, um, back towards the cleaner, um, you know, heel mentality. But, um, so yeah, the tag division as a whole, um, it made me think, okay, FTR is the champs, but I'd rather watch the Bucks and Jurassic Express and the Lucha Brothers, um, even Best Friends at some level. Like, I'm not the biggest Chuck Taylor fan in the world, but Best Friends as a team works pretty well for me. Um, I've long sung my praises for Santana and Ortiz and that I think, um, they need more. They deserve more. Um, and, and maybe, maybe they'll eventually get that. I don't doubt that. But, um, so the tag division as a whole stood out to me. Um, be interesting to see where FTR goes. Like I said, I haven't seen, I know they have a segment on dynamite. Um, I think we're supposed to hear from them or they have a celebration or something like that. Um, and I haven't seen that. So I, I don't know where things go, uh, from here, but that was my takeaway. And again, though, go out of your way. Young Bucks Jurassic Express, I thought was really, really strong. Um, so that if you want to see a really good tag match, watch that one. If you want to see the titles change, watch the other one. So the word I think that you might have been looking for earlier was chemistry. There it is. Chemistry. That's one. Uh, yeah, which is which is which is fair, right? And it's surprising um, because you know, and again, we, before we were recording, we were kind of doing a catch up and just doing a little bit of sharing. Um, and we could have been recording because it was good content too. But again, we're going to let it overflow here too. Yeah, I mean, you look at you know. Cash and Dax, and their resume precedes them. So people are looking at them with a with a, with 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 a higher level of expectation, maybe than any other talent that's coming to AEW. So when maybe that expectation isn't being met, it's 
not being well received. So interesting to see where they go. Um, again, I've been on the bandwagon for the longest time that I think we're going to get a six man. I think we're going to get the elite uh, of Omega and the Bucks versus Page and and FTR. Uh, I don't think you do that before you give us Bucks FTR because that's the money match. But again, right. they may. I don't know how long they can wait on that because even though they have paying fans back in Florida with some social distancing at Daly's place, um, I just don't know if they want to wait until they can have a larger gate before they pull the trigger on that match. We'll see. So that's not a big thing. That's just a reaction to what you shared and some additional thoughts. My big thing is going to be the elephant in the room as it was from the fallout from All Out from what I read. Fallout from All Out, there you go, was just the whole Matt Hardy situation. Again, you know, he had a, a pretty serious fall um, in his match with Sammy Guevara. Uh, talk about uh, an issue where, where they have just uh, kind of <laughs> – intentionally or unintentionally caused a lot of harm to one another. Uh, you know, we go back to the chair with Matt Hardy a few weeks back, and then uh, I think it was a week or two ago in the build for this match. Um, I think it was the Thursday night show, uh, so two weeks ago now, not coming last night's episode. Um, Guevara did a dive over the top and cut his head on the table when the table broke. Uh, so there has been a lot of bloodshed. Uh, but Matt Hardy, fought, Matt Hardy fell, and his head um, – made contact with, with the concrete. And um, I've only seen gifts of it, so I haven't seen everything kind of frame by frame and the whole the whole thing from beginning to end and in between. Uh, but just the way it seems like it's been handled um, and some of the fallout that AEW got for that, um, everyone has to do better. You, you've got to protect people. You've got to protect your talent. And I don't want to say that they're not trying to. And I know that some of these things are probably judgment calls on the on on the half of the talent and and maybe even on that on the behalf of the referee. But the talent has to be protected. The talent's health has to be um, paramount, even with a guy like Matt Hardy, who arguably his career, perhaps in ring, is going to sunset sooner rather than later. Maybe not. Uh, but you don't want your career to end because of a situation where you have a horrific head injury um, that 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 takes that takes time off of your career when that when the sands in the hourglass are are slipping through. So my big thing, my first big thing was just the whole Matt Hardy thing and some of the fallout that I think was kind of a buzz on social media about how it was handled. And hopefully AEW management uh, learns from that and uh, either A, they tone down some of the riskier stuff. Um, or some of the bigger bump spots, um, or um, if they do that and an incident does take place, that they just you know are mindful enough to stop things right away. You know, separate from all out, there was an injury that happened on Raw on Monday, and I think the way WWE handled that situation, um, even with a clunky finish in that match, um, because they would prioritize their talent when when everything became known was the right way to do things, even though it, and even though the announcers kind of called it out, you can write a storyline after that, following up on that, uh, to tie some loose ends together to protect your talent. And again, and understand, um, I am being mindful when I make those comments that this was a blow off for Hardy and Guevara. So, you know, that might've been their one shot. Right. Yeah, no, and, I, at first, I wondered if it was Angle, 
um, at like as very first as I was watching it, then I started to realize, no, no, this isn't, you know, you see the replays and realize, no, his head bounced. Um, when he couldn't stay on his feet, it should have been stopped. Um, I realized that you have the stipulation that if he loses and the only way you stop it, you have to call Guevara the winner at that point. Um, that if Hardy loses, he's leaving AEW, but then you just get creative afterwards. And yeah, it's going to have to be a little cheesy, um, how you bring him back, but you just have to get creative with that after the fact. Um, you know, it's kind of, I always remember, and this is a very different situation, but I always remember, um, Al Snow on, I think one of his straight shootings or secrets of the ring or those shooting interviews that he did with ROH back in the day, um, talked about how in a TNA, TNA ultimate X match, um, where you had to grab the X that was hanging above the ring to win the thing fell in the ring in the middle of the match. And his argument was somebody just jump on it and grab the thing. Look, if it's not the right, or, and especially if the winner who's supposed to win is around it, grab the dumb X and end the match. Um, or if for some reason that person's laying on the ground outside because right now they're in a spot where they, you know, aren't supposed to, then somebody else grab it and you can get it off them later. You know, I mean, you have to react to what's happening. In this case, it wasn't as just as trivial as who's going to grab the X and win the title shot or whatever in the world that was for. Um, you're dealing with a head injury with, let's be honest, a guy who probably has had a few concussions in his career. Um, most wrestlers probably have, frankly, and Matt Hardy's been known to, you know, be in a lot, a lot of ladder matches and things like that. So, you know, a head injury, a guy who's probably got a history of them somewhat. I mean, he's not a known person who's had a lot of head injuries like Daniel Bryan say, but um, you just got to, you got to err on the side of caution and fix it later. Um, so I, I agree with you. Um, my second big thing, um, I'm, I'm going to combine two or three things from the show into one and say AEW has to be a little careful about getting too cutesy. Um, this was my fear actually when AEW started, you know, being the elite is very tongue in cheek. I don't watch it every week, but I've watched enough of them um, over the years to know that it's, it's pretty tongue in cheek. They do some kind of cutesy, cheesy, funny things. And there is an audience for that. Um, but you know, we go back to, I think, what our friend Rob keeps saying of, you know, AEW also said that they were going to be a very sports-focused wins and losses, you know, company. There can be room for cheesy and funny, but I felt like there was quite a bit of it on this show. Between maybe the worst opening match in recent pay-per-view history um, with the tooth and nail match. Uh, between Big Swole and, and Dr. Britt Baker. Um, ugh. Like, when it comes to cinematic matches, this is up there with the trash monster crap from um, the Street Profits and, the, and the, the, I almost said the War Raiders, the Viking Raiders. Um, this was bad. Um, Swole had good fire, um, which he should have, because this has been a months-long build. Um, and they could have had a... a I think a good, just straight grudge match where Swole wants to beat the crap out of Baker for everything she's done. Baker does some underhanded things. I mean, it it's not that hard to write it. Um, and I think it would have been really good. I think it was a good idea to start the match with that story or start the show with that story. Just the cinematic thing didn't work for me anyways. Um, 
Then, of course, you have the Mimosa Mayhem match, which is also a little cheesy. Um, again, you've built a really good story between two people. Why do we have to have this silly, there's two vats of Mimosa on the sides of the ring, um, you know, that eventually you know somebody's getting a bath and, and you know who it's going to be. I mean, it, it's just stupid. Um, now, I will say, um, without giving away too much because you haven't seen it yet, Tom, um, I was going to add into this as I was watching the show, why are they bothering on a pay-per-view to waste time with Kip Sabian telling us that he's going to tell us who his best man is? Um, I will tell you, there is a much better payoff than I expected to that situation. So watch Dynamite. You will enjoy it. Um, and I, I will leave that at that. Maybe we'll talk about that maybe next week. Uh, because to me, when I watched it, though, I was having that feeling of, oh, geez. You know, Kip Sabian hasn't done a whole lot for me in the ring. Um, they frankly haven't made him feel important um, in the way that they've booked him. Um, and Penelope Ford, although she's been a little more important in the women's division um, than Sabian has been. And I realize, you know, they were, I think, doing some things with him and Havoc as a tag team. And then Havoc, um, you know, ended up suspended, now released. Um, you know, so they probably had to kind of reboot um, where they're going with Kip Sabian. So that turned out better than I expected. I just, my caution to them would be not that they give a crap what I say, but um, is don't get too cutesy. You know, in-ring stuff is kind of what brought them to the dance. Um, keep the focus on that, not stabbing somebody in the leg with a freaking syringe of Novocaine and then she passes out because they hold the gas mask over her face. Um, just, it didn't work for me and it was too, it, it took me out of it for a while. That's fair. And I think that there's something to be said in response to that, just generally by saying, you know, create your identity and, and, and stick to your identity. Not that you can't color outside the lines. That being said, be mindful about where and how you do that. And then the other part, just again, because I believe from last week they were saying that that match, that tooth and nail match, is going to be on the on the buy-in, and then they moved it to the pay-per-view. Right. So something happened because obviously, of course, I mean, it, it appeared to be, or from what I read, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of pre-taped, a little bit edited, some cinematic stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. So, so if you know, if you know as a producer, if you made that decision as you know, booker, talent relations, producer, whatever, that you're moving it from buy-in to pay-per-view, you got to be mindful about where that lands and, 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 and what tone that sets. And that was, again, the, the, the opener, right? So you just said earlier, you would recommend going out of your way to watch the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express. How hard would it have been to kick the show off with that match? Because it would have been Absolutely. probably, you know, you know, line for line, the same match that, that you got after this match and then slot this other match after the fact or later on in the show again. Yeah. So this, so, this could have um, been a good popcorn match, you know, where, but you're not, you, you want to start the show hot. You know, everybody, you always hear that if you're not in the main event, you want to be in the first match because that kicks off the show. And yeah, Bucks and Jurassic would have been a great opener. Um, not a, Oh God, let's try to save this after that freaking dreck. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, my number two uh, is potentially a developing story in AEW. We'll have to see where it goes. Um, but it's the fact that uh, Mr. Brody Lee now is 0-2 on pay-per-view. Um, and and he, made, he made sure to call that out. I believe it might have been on Twitter. I know that I saw it somewhere. Uh, but just, again, so, of course, pay-per-view debut, lost to Moxley, challenging for the title uh, in the spring. Uh, and now here as part of the multi-man match they've lost again or he's lost again he clearly was looking really solid by dethroning cody and becoming tnt champion and and really laying cody out um don't know what don't don't know unless unless cody comes back on dynamite that aired last night it's been kind of quiet uh so that seems to have some legs to if they wanted to go back to that or create more of an issue but you know the dark order again People, they range in their feelings uh, about hot and cold on that uh, or lukewarm, <laughs> maybe is the better way to say it. But now you've got them and him specifically as the, as the leader uh, with consecutive pay-per-view losses. So if you're making pay-per-view a big deal, if you're, if you're pushing things towards that, um, I would just say that that's something to pay attention to, at least for me. I, my, my, my interest has peaked. I'll be interested to see as things kind of work over the next month and a half, two months as we approach full gear where, and if that develops more. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, they protected him in that he didn't take the fall, but, uh, especially if he's calling it out, they're going somewhere with that then probably, um, you know, he definitely was, was angry with, with Colt. And I think it'll be interesting to see where that goes, um, as well. Uh, my my third big thing, my final big thing, I'm going to go positive. Um, I feel like I've been kind of ragging on AEW here from so far, but um, Akaro Shida and Thunder Rosa had a heck of a match. Um, probably the best women's match in AEW to be to to date. Um, you know, there have been some good ones, there have been some clunkers, um, and and that division's still coming together, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, I don't think Thunder Rosa is in any sort of full-time situation because she's signed with NWA. She's obviously the NWA champ, um, and they've got their own kind of pay-per-view series starting with, uh, what is it, United Wrestling Network, I think, um, next week. Um, that's a whole different story. We can talk about another time. Um, but so I'm, I'm thinking she's continuing on with them because um, especially as much as they were pushing that NWA connection, um, but Rosa, Rosa is great in the ring. We know Sheeta is great in the ring, um, and they delivered. There was no no question um, to me that this was the match of the night. Um, you know, Bucks and Jurassic were very, very good, but this was better, frankly. Um, and it, was, um, it was for the title, all of those things. Um, that would be, if anybody said, what should I watch from this show, that would be the first thing I would tell them. Watch Sheeta and Rosa. Um, they were very good. They were, it, it felt like it was for a title. It felt like it was meaningful, um, even though really it had been very quickly put together two weeks ago, um, two or three weeks ago. And then last week, um, you know, they had Rosa in ring um, wrestling Serena Deeb, who I've always been a fan of. Um, I didn't see that match due to just things going on in my life at that last week. Um, but I may, may see if it isn't on the on-demand on TNT and, and fast forward to that one and, and check it out. Um, it, it got mixed reviews, I guess was my thought. You know, people thought Rosa should have been more dominant maybe in that match to, to put her over, 
bigger, but boy, it didn't hurt her on Saturday. Um, they had a, a banger of a match. Uh, was a, was a really good thing, and I, I thought it was well done. So Sheeta and Rosa, kudos, great match. Nice, and and with what you've seen from Dynamite this week, and of course I've only seen three minutes. Um, <laughs> are they are they giving any sense of, or did they add to what you've seen any sense of who's next up for Sheeta by chance? Uh, not from what I've seen. There is okay. a uh, women's match that was a, they said is coming up later in the show with uh, Nyla Rose and Ty Conti. So perhaps something happens there, but I haven't seen that match yet. Yeah, I always forget about Nyla Rose, and I don't know why. And, and they're clearly going to build back to that, it seems like, especially with putting Vicky Guerrero with Nyla Rose. And um, at least that's my thought, is that's where they're building back. Unless, you know, they break Big Swole off from, from Britt Baker um you know and try to build something there uh i to me even though swole won that tooth and nail match i could see that continuing um and them actually having like you know a match um with like ring ropes and things um so yeah i i so i don't know where that's going yet yeah and i always thought before the injury to to baker happened in the spring mm-hmm. too that sheeta baker was a match or maybe the match we'll see where we'll see. The, good, the good thing is they have options but we'll see where right. they go uh well my last uh thing of the big three big things is gonna just be the fact that moxley retained and moxley gave mjf his first loss in aew history um not clean or not fair if you will right. because of the stip that was involved uh so there's obviously room to uh for mjf to to not lose heat uh i think he could have lost and still maintained his heat uh but but i think as this match built too and as i watched a lot of aew that i had on my dvr kind of in one fell swoop i was able to really in real time see it kind of develop over the course of the weeks he's a heck of a talker and he's such such a good talker on the mic that actually like he outclassed moxley quite a bit and I could have seen him winning the belt mm-hmm. without without a doubt. And I know that right. when we when they first announced this match, I was like, there's not a chance in heck. And of course they didn't, obviously, and it will be interesting to see where where they go and, and who who ends up challenging Mox beyond the winner of the casino battle royal match, you know, in more long term. But MJF definitely has a stake to 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 say I, I deserve a rematch. I'm owed a rematch. Um yeah, it's interesting. And 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 I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but it seems like there are times where you've got Tony Khan who comments on some specifics related to like matchmaking or people getting shots. But then here's an injustice that obviously happens. The paradigm shift was banned. It it resulted in affecting the outcome of the match. And then no one... No one's defending the bad guy here. Now, granted, I know he's a bad guy, so why would you want to support a bad guy or, or give credence to, to a guy who's a heel? But at the same time, like, it's called justice. Justice is justice regardless of the moral compass of your character in the end. So, I don't know. That's I'm not being negative. I, 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 the, the result right. is what I thought it would have been, um, and I like the storytelling, and there's room to grow. Uh, so I'll be interested to follow that. Uh, and with the way that at least Dynamite kicked off last night, it, it appears that we might be headed towards a little bit of a pivot. Um, and I can get on board with that too. Absolutely. And uh, 
I, I have to say, had we done a head-to-head, -head, hard to say. I, to me, there were two two ways they could go. They could either put the belt on MJF, or they could do exactly what they did um, and have Moxley use the paradigm shift, you know, behind the ref's back kind of thing. So they went that way. I might have picked MJF, so maybe it's a good thing we didn't do head-to-head -head, because I really can't afford to lose any more points to you. Um, so that might be okay. Uh, other aside, it didn't make my three big things, but I just wanted to say two notes. Uh, from the Casino Royale uh, Battle Royal. Um, Lance Archer won. Okay, whatever. I don't foresee him as the AEW world champ, so fine. Um, Will Hobbs was in the match. Um, I don't usually watch AEW Dark, so while I know the name, I really haven't seen him. Impressive-looking guy, and they gave him a little shine time. Um, so maybe they're going to do a little something with Will Hobbs. I, I'm interested to see that. Big dude. Um big powerhouse um, kind of guy. I, I was impressed with him. Um, and Matt Seidel coming in as the number 21, the Joker, um, had a great like kick on the outside and then went up to do a shooting star press and damn near killed himself. Um, I mean, just straight up and boop, right down on the back of his shoulders and head. Um, never did try to do another shooting star in the match, um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see was that a one-off or is there something going on there, especially uh, when Matt Seidel is involved in the Ring of Honor Pure Title Tournament, which we're going to talk about um, in a little bit. Uh, I'm guessing Ring of Honor wasn't thrilled to see him show up on Saturday night. Um, pure guess. But, uh, I mean, if he's not signed to Ring of Honor, much they can do about that either. So, um, You mentioned going back and potentially checking out the, uh, the Thunder Rosa and... Uh, Sheeta. Uh, no, the oh, um, no. Deep. Uh, yeah, Serena Deep. Sorry, I completely lost it. I I had strange society running through my brain. I knew that was not the right term, but I know it would have gotten me to to, to the goal. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Will Hobbs and Darby Allen had a match on Dynamite a few episodes, two or three episodes ago. That okay. was also really good as well. So if you're looking to you know check yeah. a little bit more about Will Hobbs, then that's the that's a good match to. To to direct your eyes towards Dar and Darby can make big guys look real good because he bumps all over and uh, maybe one more note on the battle royal uh, Brian Cage like awesome bombed Darby Allen in a body bag with thumbtacks onto the stage so Allen had no way to protect himself you know he can't throw his arms out for the bump um because they're in a freaking body bag um Again, back to what you were saying about Matt Hardy. Like, I haven't heard that Darby Allen was hurt by that. I mean, I went, oh, my God, when I watched it. Ugh. Darby's one of those guys you kind of got to protect from himself a little bit, I think, sometimes. Um, I'm not sure that was a, it was a, it was a cool visual. I'm not sure it was a great idea because, boy, an inch or two wrong. I mean, and there's a step on that stage and everything. Like, it scared me. Um, and I know it was supposed to, so it did its point. But. Yeah. Careful. That's all I'm saying. Careful. I like Darby. Let's keep him around. Um, and preferably walking. Uh, from that, let's go to NXT. Uh, we have a new NXT champion uh, after a four-way match a week ago that was met with uh, not a lot of praise, from what I can tell. Um, I did not, again, last week is pretty much shot for me as far as watching wrestling. I didn't see anything. Um, and I, I picked up this week kind of where things were. I, I knew I wasn't going to have time to catch all the way up. Um, so I just kind of said, okay, we're going to start this week fresh. 
Um, so I did see Super Tuesday this week. Um, Finn Balor, the new NXT champion. Um, I I was I kind of had that a little spoiled for me because uh, I have Hulu Live, and it recorded on Tuesday. And when I went to watch it Wednesday morning, um, the little thumbnail that was next to my DVR recording, I, I, it was a little hard to tell, but I'm pretty sure it was Balor laying on the ground with a title. Um, and I was like, can you not do that? Um, right? And so I was pretty sure that's what I had seen. It was kind of one of those like, oh, hit play. Maybe it was just him laying on the ground, but no, I'm pretty sure he had the belt. Um, but yeah, it's even thinking that I was pretty sure I knew the result, um, watching the match, I didn't feel like I knew the result until the end. Um, I, I think they had a better singles match than anything I saw in All Out. Um, people like to play that comparison game because usually they're head-to-head. Right now, the NBA and NHL playoffs are kind of wreaking havoc with that. Um, but uh, I, I, I thought NXT this week, since I didn't see last week, was bookended by two really strong matches. Um, I thought Ripley and Mercedes in the cage was really good. Um, apparently, Mercedes has now left the Robert Stone brand. I saw a line about that in a tweet or something. Did Apparently, there's a video that got released afterwards, uh, which I haven't seen. Um, and, and that's fine. I'd always thought that was a little bit of a weird pairing. Um, but I thought they had a really good match. But to go to Finn Balor, um, I think that opens up a lot of fresh matches for Balor, even if he's had maybe a one-off with certain people like Damian Priest or somebody, um, you know, I, I think the, the NXT title scene now is fresh again. Um, I would be fine with Cole getting a rematch at some point, obviously, um, you know, Gargano and Balor would be really interesting. Um, Balor and Ciampa could be interesting. Balor and Bronson Reed or somebody like that. Um, uh, could be interesting as well. So I'm excited to see where they go with Finn Balor. Um, I like Damian Priest uh, in his role. Um, Austin Theory is back. So that's, you know, at least he's back on TV doing things. Uh, The tag division is what it is. I think I've made my love of Fandango uh, well-known and note heavy sarcasm about that. Um, Or not not just Fandango, but Breezango, um, both of them. Um, but what are you thinking about NXT, Tom? We didn't really have a, a set thing we wanted to talk about other than just NXT and the, and the new champ. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think the first thing I'll say is I think the right guy won in the end. I think Finn Balor being crowned the champion, regardless of my feelings about how we got to that point, and they're not overwhelmingly positive. Uh, <laughs> he, he was the guy that in the four-way, hour-long match, was the standout. He looked like the strongest of the talents. The ending of that of that hour-long match, which I'll go on record and say was one of the least enjoyable Iron Man matches I've ever seen. Uh, the last 15 minutes was entertaining. I'm a guy that too also was interested on how decisions are happening. So the way who pins who and why and you know what's the story involved. I didn't get a big sense of an overwhelming story they were trying to tell me in the in the hour long match, and and then Cole kind of coming in from behind to steal the pinfall to eat, make it even with Balor to cause that draw to lead to Super Tuesday two seemed a little bit rushed, and I believe I don't know for sure, but from what I think I know, it feels like they record NXT earlier in the day uh, on, on Wednesdays or on Tuesdays or whenever they record it. 
And not that you're going to go back and reshoot that finish because that would be really hard to do after you've got guys that are giving their all for an hour. But to not to not have the referee giving different timing, like cues to talent. Uh, and again, and, and I don't know what I don't know, right? So I'm just looking at it as an observer of what I saw on TV. Um, again, compare that though with what we then saw this week. And again, they had arguably just under a 30 minute match with commercial breaks. And I need to actually stop DVRing NXT and just watch it on the network because when I have to go picture in picture, I lose my kind of my my engagement in the match. And I think I wouldn't have that if I watched it just on the network. So I need to, I need to try that to see if there's a difference. I wonder if I would have, I liked this match quite a bit. I thought it was a really, really solid match. And it definitely built much stronger in the second half than the beginning of the match. But I wonder if I would have liked it even more had I not watched it on the USA feed and watched it on the network feed instead. What I was surprised by this week on NXT was no Tommaso Ciampa, not a single thing at all from him. And with the way he's been brought back, with the aggressive match with Jake Atlas and then being inserted into the four-way and then nothing, he's arguably top three, top five guy on your brand right now. You know, I think you could say Cole, of course, Balor as champion, Gargano, Ciampa, and then Damian Priest, maybe are your top five. Well, so when you're not featuring him in anything, now we didn't we didn't get a single thing at all, not even a vignette or an update, or he'll be back next week. It was, there was nothing. You have to you have to wonder why. So so some of the connectivity on the booking there was a little bit off to me. Uh, so uh, what I did like though, I did like the backstage stuff that they did with Cole and Balor. And like they congratulated or Cole congratulated Balor. They had a nice little embrace. They did they did they did the, the two sweet. Um for those of us watching on YouTube, I just two sweeted the screen. I did uh, too. So <laughs> there you go. And uh and then and then and then there was a promo by Cole later on in the show where he appeared very babyface-esque in his response, but also true to the undisputed era of basically saying, you know, Balor better not hope I get another shot because if I do, when I do the outcome is undisputed or something along those lines. So yeah, I definitely would not be opposed to another rematch. And again, I do believe the title picture is freshened up. So the cool part is I hopefully, hopefully we'll begin to see uh, some challengers get built up and what a great opportunity as we enter a fall season. And as we enter the build towards maybe the next takeover that will happen in November, roughly two months or so away from now um, to have some really specific building of some guys on NXT. And I actually read somewhere and I don't know, you know, I've read it one place and it wasn't uh PW Insider or any of those places that I would call um for sure um reliable um that actually they may not have a takeover before Sur uh, Survivor Series. Um I want to say like December 3rd or something like that. That may not even be a Saturday. Um but somewhere early December it sounds like um because it does look like here in the end of October, NXT UK is going to do a takeover um, since they are starting up again next week. Um, and maybe they just want to space those out. I mean, you couldn't space out two main roster pay-per-views, but you're going to space out takeovers. So sure. Uh, whatever makes sense there. I did think along with the Adam Cole, you were talking about the baby face kind of mentality in this promo, which I 100% agree with. I thought it was interesting that there were no members of the Undisputed Era around him. 
And when Roddy and Bobby Fish, and again, only Roddy and Bobby Fish, not sure where Kyle was, um, came out for Roddy's match with, uh, was it Killian Dane? I think, yeah. yeah. Um, again, it was just Roddy and Bobby Fish. Uh, Adam Cole was not with them. They were not with Adam earlier in the night. Um, Kyle O'Reilly was at a cooking class or something. I don't know where he was. He's, he's available on Wednesdays, but not Tuesdays. I don't know what's going on. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I, just interesting. They didn't they didn't tease any dissension, but it was just the booking was interesting that they weren't connected. You know, when they were talking to Adam Cole in the back, the rest of the Undisputed Era was not around him consoling him, and he didn't, you know, he could have even sent them off and just said, guys, I got to handle this on my own. You know, uh, it was interesting. So we'll see where it goes. Um, Champa, I think it's very interesting. I agree with you that they didn't mention him. And maybe, maybe that brings us to our next point. Maybe. Um, and that is our friends at Retribution. Uh, my brother's <laughs> least favorite faction ever. Our, um, our friends at. Our friends. <laughs> yes. But we still don't know who the heck they are. Um, so Retribution. Uh, had a they they kind of appear to be a raw act now. I noticed they weren't on I don't think they were listed on SmackDown at all last week. Um yeah, I believe you're correct. I have to think um, back. That was a it was a three match show on SmackDown. Right. The emphasis was on setting up the challenger for the universal title as well as the other big angle, which we don't have it on the agenda, but it's kind of probably worth talking about too a little bit here to pivot but but retribution first yeah yeah retribution um so maybe a raw act we'll see uh maybe maybe tomorrow night like you said there were kind of two main things going on on smackdown that didn't involve retribution so it could just be that um you know they didn't fit into the show although you're making them such a big focus that when they don't appear i.e SummerSlam, i.e payback um it, it's noticeable, um, but they uh, they did their little lights out gimmick, uh, you know, play with the lights, and then they showed up on the Thunderdome screens and uh, and and had some words for the WWE universe. Um, two, I believe, both males spoke. Um, there appear to be five of them again, which in recent weeks there had been twenty of them. It seemed like at times. Um, so it appears they're back down to five, or at least there were five. Maybe there's five main ones, and they have minions. Like I said, let's not go dark order on this, where you know, fifty minions show up, um, or Age of the Fall even did that once or twice, where they had a whole bunch of masked people show up. Um, that can get a little cheesy after a bit. Um, from what I've read, uh, I did not see Raw on Monday. Um, I did read the results though, and you and I talked a little bit about it. It seems like at least one of the people who was at least on screen there, again, till they take their masks off, no guarantee that the people who are portraying them are going to be the people revealed as them. Um, but it seems like Dominic Dijakovic may very well have been one of those folks. Um, and there have been a couple of other times where I've thought that. Um, a, he disappeared from NXT. That's always a little bit of a telltale sign sometimes that somebody's coming up. Um, and B, he's... He's a tall guy. He's kind of noticeable. <laughs> so uh, there have been one or two of the attacks. There have been one or two of the attacks where I'm 99.9% sure he was not um, because they all looked like they were 5'8 running around. Um, like, especially the uh, the chainsaw uh, rope attack on SmackDown. <laughs> Yay! You know? Um, 
bunch of junior high kids running around from retribution there. But um, Dijakovic was not there. But there have been uh, one or two of the other raw attacks where I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's Dijakovic. The way they move, the way he moves, and just, I mean, the guy's like six seven, six eight. So um, he's a little hard to hide, even under a black mask and and bodysuit. Um, so maybe we're finally getting somewhere with retribution. You know, they don't have another pay-per-view now for a couple of weeks until I think it's the 27th um, is, is Clash of Champions. Um, and hopefully life will allow us to get back to head-to-head then um, and and see whether I'm, you know, dumb enough to pick Jey Uso to win the Universal title. But um, some of my previous picks would make you think I would. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm picking Roman Reigns in that match. Um, so uh, Retribution, what you thinking, Tom? Are they are they getting somewhere with this thing or what? Yeah, good, good call out to saying that they they, they didn't uh, show up on SmackDown last week. I uh, didn't even that was lost on me, and not because it not because they're front of mind all the time, but because I thought SmackDown you know did have two focus areas like I called out a few seconds ago. You alluded to one of them, and the other one was another major angle that's been building for months. But on Monday on Raw. Um, I, I liked that things went dark. I liked that Retribution has a graphic. Arguably, it would be what would be on the Titan Tron if they were to have, ever have an entrance. Uh, that would be you know WWE promoted, if you will. And again, at some point, they're going to probably get in the ring and fight someone um, from WWE because they're anti-WWE. But yeah, five, five people did definitely appear to be um, Dijakovic as one of the five. Um, two males, one female, two people. To others, uh, kind of in, nondescript, if you will. Uh, the one thing I didn't appreciate on Monday was when things went dark before they overtook the the Thunderdome. Is the announcers had nothing to say, and I just don't know if that's the right way to to sell this, right? So if the announcers aren't reacting, why should I care? But if but if you're you're, really, you're saying oh well this is just if it's normal if it's a normal part of the show which it shouldn't be yet because it's still disruptive then you should call that out oh my gosh they just interrupted this match and what's going to happen to the to what happened in the ring even though I know they're shifting focus right you're training people to either care or not care you you need you need to you need to lead the audience. The audience also can make their own decision too, but in a way you have to kind of coach them along or kind of guide them. And that that didn't happen. So that, that didn't land well with me. Uh, but again, it, it was progression. It was progression for more than what we had seen. I know when we had recorded the last few times, I was not caught up to date on WWE. I am now. Um, and yeah, you were right. There were a couple of shows there where you were like, if you were looking for something to happen, don't bother watching. <laughs> like if you were tuning in just for retribution, um, you can save yourself, but, um, so Monday was progression, you know, at least for this group in, despite my, my criticism of what, of, of the overall, it, it was a positive step forward for me. Absolutely. And hopefully they'll keep making steps forward. Um, I, I like factions. I like some mystery, um, but give me a little bit more purpose behind them and not just kind of uh, random chaos is okay for a little bit, but then focus it a little bit on, on, you know, start going after the top guys or something, start going after Drew McIntyre, start going after, and I realize there's a whole story going on with him anyways, but do something. Um, 
have, have a purpose in mind um, beyond just, you know, we're going to take over WWE or we're, you know, or, or WWE is mean, um, which is kind of what it feels like um, they're mad about. So, yeah, they talked. I, I, I wish I would have listened or made a note about the promo a little bit more. And this was, I think, when one person who we believe is Dijakovic was talking about something about targeting like the WWE like talent, but then also the fans. They made a comment about fans, and I'm just interested to know or see how that moves forward because fans aren't, aren't fans aren't coming to shows. The only fans that are that are participating are through the Thunderdome screens. So how are you, and how, how and why are you targeting fans, and what does that mean in the end? So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that leads. So, um, did you did you want to pivot to the other angle uh, from SmackDown? Yeah, I think it's just important to call out that. And again, we don't have a banner for it because we this wasn't one of the things we t- talked about. But when we mentioned, oh, SmackDown, but we do. Oh, hey, <laughs> look at that! Technology works in our favor. Yeah. So, 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 uh, you know, uh, a turning point in in the the long, the long running. Uh, story uh, of the golden role models and they had many highs uh, and many times where we thought those highs would come to a halt and they haven't and then sure enough uh, they lose the titles at payback and in their rematch when that um, when that was unsuccessful uh, Bailey snapped and it was so it was such a well done angle on Smackdown and when you think about how that match ended, like Sasha Banks coming out of that should be a super huge baby face. Like she sold and she fought and she didn't give up. And then she finally succumbed in the end in that match. And then you have your best friend arguably snap on you. Like they did, they did like a long layout where there was medics and there was referees and there were people that were tending to, to Sasha. And she finally was like, no. And Bailey's walking with her out and she gets her outside the ropes and bam kicked her right in the head um so i'm eager to see that that's actually something that i will be very eager to tune into smackdown this week to see the follow-up on this now um maybe behind the curtain a little bit maybe not i don't know because i I just see things here and there on twitter once in a while i thought i saw something about maybe sasha banks taking a hiatus or retiring or whatever i don't know if that is the case isn't the case If, if she does this was you know a great way to put over your best friend you know, behind the scenes on the way out uh, and also leaves the door open for a huge revenge match at some point down the road. Yeah. Um, having not seen the angle, but reading about it, um, that, that's when I probably need to go back and um, either on the network watch this week in WWE or something like that, um, where they'll show some highlights of it. Um, Cause I, I am interested in it. I think it's been really well built over a long time. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to Bailey and Sasha, maybe at Clash of Champions, or if Sasha is really taking some time off, maybe that holds off till Survivor Series, and Sasha has a big return. Maybe it holds off longer. Um, we'll see what they do. Um, it, it needs to not happen on SmackDown this week, though, from the way that beating took place. Um, don't rush that, and I'm thinking they won't because they would have announced it by now, because um, that's a match you announce ahead of time. Um, kudos to them for building things long term um and paying it off um and, and now you have a whole nother long-term thing you can do you know this has been the turn has been building or the split i guess it's not really it's a turn and for sasha i guess by getting beat up but um 
you know, the split has been coming and I'm glad they went this way. I'm glad they went with Bailey being the heel in the split. Um, I think Bailey is totally refreshed as a heel. I mean, it's been a year now, I think since the, that happened. Um, I mean, she's got a figure coming out from the night she killed the, the blow up guy. Um, you know, that's awesome. Um, I just think there's still lots of legs to her as a heel. Um, Sasha can be a heel again somewhere down the road. She certainly has all the ability to do that, but um, I think this was the right call um, on how the split went down, and it, and it sounds like it was well done on Friday night. Um, again, didn't get to see it, but looking forward to checking that out. Um, yeah, I will say this. At least with SmackDown last week, outside of the first match, which kind of had an angle that kind of carried the show, which was a little bit goofy, this segment, this whole story with the Sasha Bailey deal and the match and the post-match and then everything that kind of evolved and revolved around the main events and what that playoff was, it was very focused TV. It was, and again, and there wasn't a lot of stuff going on, but what they dedicated TV time to made it all was some, it was very, it made, it made a lot of sense. It didn't seem scattered. And sometimes you have, it seems a little bit scattered. There's a little bit too much. Maybe that's the problem with Raw being three hours and SmackDown being tighter at two. Uh, so kudos to SmackDown for last Friday for being a really tight, solid show. Excuse me here. I'm trying to click on things and it moved on me. Um, so the next thing we want to chat about um, as we move on from WWE into uh, Ring of Honor, which we haven't been able to talk a lot of Ring of Honor lately uh, because Ring of Honor hasn't done a show since uh, March uh, back, I think St. Louis, maybe it was the last shows they were at. I can't remember. Um, but uh, right before their 18th anniversary show weekend and the past versus present um, show as well that, that got canceled, uh, they returned this weekend on television. Uh, they returned a couple weeks ago taping it, but um, it'll start airing this weekend on television with the Ring of Honor Pure Title Tournament um, and perhaps some other matches on the TV show as well. But certainly the Pure Title Tournament is going to be the focus um, of the next, I don't know, six weeks or so of shows, let's say. Um, if they've said how many weeks, I, I haven't heard it um, or I've missed it. But uh, Ring of Honor, I think, has done some really interesting things. We talked about this uh, as far as trying to stay connected. Um, while not doing live shows, they've done the trivia nights, uh, two time champs, by the way, um, they've done, um, some role play of honor where they're playing done, you know, just have basically a YouTube show of some ring of honor guys and gals, including Quinn McKay, uh, and session moth, I believe has played as well. Um, playing dungeons and dragons for people who are, are into that. Um, the bouncers have had their own YouTube show. Uh, Dalton castles had a YouTube show. Um, I think Silas Young and Josh Woods have had a YouTube show. So they've done a lot of different things to try to keep um, things fresh and focused. And now they're coming back with Pure Title, which I think is for Ring of Honor is a smart way to come back because they're going to focus on in-ring wrestling action, submission, strikes, that sort of thing, which is really what the Pure Title was based around uh, back when it was around the first time. Um, so I do have the bracket here uh, for the title. Let me get rid of the banner so that we can actually see everybody there um, and actually get rid of the logo as well. There we go. Um, technology, Anna Grand. Um, so we've got the bracket here. I'll just run down all the first round matches. Uh, first of all, I will say, Tom and I talked about this just briefly before. I hate that they're calling it Block A and Block B. That sounds like a round, round robin tournament. 
Um, and I think of that because of the G1 Climax. Spoiler alert, going to talk about that in a little while. Um, or even the round robin that NJPW just ran uh, that it will end on Friday uh, for the vacant uh, junior tag titles. Uh, that's when blocks mean something. These are our brackets. These are, if you want to call them two regions, like the NCAA tournament or something, sure. Um, anyways, just a naming thing. It's not a big deal, but it's a big enough deal. I guess I said something. So um, first round matches, I'll just run them down. And then Tom, let's uh, just kind of chat a little bit about it. And then I think we talked, uh, we'll pick the two semifinal matches and the, the finals match and the winner. Um, this isn't part of head to head or anything. It's just kind of us talking about it, but um, in the first round, I'll just call it in block A. That's what they want to call it. Fine. You have Jay Lethal, the only pure, former pure champion uh, in this tournament, who is going to take on Dalton Castle, a former Ring of Honor world champion. So matchup of two former Ring of Honor champions there. Uh, Dave Finley and Rocky Romero, a matchup of two uh, New Japan uh, folks uh, as well. Silas Young will take on the debuting Fred Yehi, who uh, I haven't seen in quite a while, probably since his MLW work. Um, so excited to see Yehi there. Tracy Williams will take on Russ Taylor, uh, who, as Tom mentioned uh, a time or two ago, uh, had some some shots with NJPW on their Lions Break shows. Uh, Jonathan Gresham on, in Block B, then Jonathan Gresham takes on the debuting Wheeler Utah. Delirious and Matt Seidel in a rematch from a match that I first saw uh, back at ROH Reborn, um, what feels like. 12 years ago, probably. Um, Josh Woods, I keep wanting to say Xavier Woods when I see that on the bracket. It's not Xavier Woods. <laughs> It'd be awesome to see him here, but it's not Xavier. Uh, it is Josh Woods, uh, Josh the Goods Woods versus Kenny King. Uh, and then in the last first round match, PJ Black uh, versus the debuting Tony Deppen. Uh, first thoughts, Tom, as you just kind of look at the bracket. Yeah, I was really excited to have all of the competitors announced before the brackets came out because it kind of got you thinking, okay, who am I interested to see? Where might they fall? Um, it's interesting that you have two former world champions squaring off in Lethal and Castle. I think that sticks out for me without a, without a doubt. Uh, and then also very interesting that you've chosen to give Delirious and Matt Seidel that head-to-head. Fair because of their history, like you called out. Uh, but just those two matches on paper, uh, you know, for people who have followed Ring of Honor, and it's kind of kind of kind of two different eras, you know, the the early era and then the more recent era. Uh, you could look at those matches and say, you know, those are kind of maybe callbacks to that. I don't know how Delirious fits in a pure title tournament, so I'm very eager to see how that match goes forth. I agreed with you. Um... I feel like they used Delirious because he was already going to be there. He is, um, at least for these tapings, was was the main creative uh, person again. Uh, Marty Skrull probably is over in the UK and right now is kind of persona non grata, uh, it seems, in Ring of Honor due to some accusations there. Uh, whether he's done in Ring of Honor or not, uh, nobody's saying. So we don't know. Um, but Delirious, you know, it's going to be there anyway. So I feel like they kind of used him to keep one more person out of um, needing to be there. But uh, I agree. Delirious in the pure, like, I, I feel like there's going to be a little bit of Gaga there where, you know, he goes to use a closed fist or something with, with Seidel. But they certainly have good chemistry and know, have known each other a long time. So that'll be interesting. 
Um, so, Tom, who do you see coming out of Block A in the semifinals? Who do you see being, I guess, the Block A finalists? For yeah, so to, choosing today uh, before any, uh, you know, and again, I've heard nothing about the taping. So good on good yep. on either anyone who was there and, and respecting, you know, the desire to hopefully want to get people who follow Ring of Honor to get back to tune in to – those syndicated channels where this airs through Sinclair um, or if they're, or if, or when they're going to post it on, um, on the website or what have you um, that's, that's a positive. I'm very much looking forward to, to this, this Saturday. It airs late where I live, so I'll DVR it, but uh, somewhere on Sunday between NFL kickoff, I probably would try to squeeze in uh, that episode and which it kicks off with lethal castle and Gresham and Wheeler, Utah. So that'll be fun to, to kick us off this weekend. Um, but that's not what you asked. So I'm going to go on block A, uh, Lethal and Tracy Williams as the two finalists there, giving giving one of those guys the win in block A. We'll talk about that as we get closer, I imagine. Um, but on paper, those are the two guys, in my opinion, uh, that that are the leaders of the pack, if you will. How about you? Yeah, I think in Block A, um, if Jay Lethal isn't in the finals of Block A, so the semifinals of the tournament, I'll be stunned. Um, just looking at his kind of group there, um, I don't think there's any way Dalton Castle, David Finley, or Rocky Romero makes it that far. Um, I think this is going to sound bad, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Finley and Romero are lucky they're facing each other, so one of them can move on. Um, otherwise, I would probably have them both losing their first-round matches. Um I expect Finley to win that match. I mean, he did make it to the finals of the of the NJPW or NJ New Japan Cup USA tournament here um, on on NJPW Strong. There we go. Get the right words out. Uh, Finley probably against Lethal, but Lethal wins that top part of that bracket. Um, I I've gone two ways on this. Um, I hope. And I know we're not picking every match, but I'm I'm kind of doing it. What I'm talking through here, uh, Tracy Williams is beating Russ Taylor, no question in my mind. There, I hope Fred Yehi beats Silas Young. I hope we get uh, two former members of Catchpoint. If I'm Yehi, was in Catchpoint, wasn't he? Yep. Okay, and obviously I knew Williams was. Um, I, I thought I remembered Yehi being there. I, I hope we get that match in the second round. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and and put Fred Yehi into the finals on that side. I think your your pick is much more um, likely. It's it's definitely the chalk way to go, um, and and probably will be what happens. But um, I'd really like C.J. Lethal and Fred Yehi. Um, I was I've really liked Yehi since he's evolved days. Um, he grew on me quite a bit. Um, what was this saying? Somebody's in big big trouble or something like that when he'd come out. Um, I'm Yehi is somebody I'm excited to see in this tournament. Um, so I hope I get more than one match from him. Um, so I think that. Uh, what about Block B? Who you got in your finals over there? Yeah, so uh, this tournament was made for Jonathan Gresham. If you if you follow Ring of Honor at all, and if you followed his his path, uh, and you don't have that opinion, I would say, tell me more about that because I'd like <laughs> to I'd like to learn I'd like to learn about that 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 mindset. Uh, so Gresham out of the top for sure, and arguably. I think you can say he has the easiest route, which is goofy to think about because you want someone who's had the, like, if you're looking to build a really like strong champion, 
wouldn't you want them to have kind of uh, like a, 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 a tougher path to the title? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I don't think you have NCAA champions that are you're like, oh, well, you just beat cupcakes along the way. So you're really, you're really rewarded in the end. Um, typically, you know, you've got the best of the best. And I know, I know that this was not the tournament they were going to do in April had the pandemic not taken all of us by storm. Uh, so Gresham up top. And then I really, I really wrestle at the bottom. Uh, I want to say Josh Woods, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Kenny King either. Yeah, um, I think looking at that, um, I agree with you, Gresham. Much like I said with Lethal, there's no way Castle Finley or Romero is coming out of that. That could be called a block. Maybe we'll call those blocks. Um, but uh, uh, Delirious and Seidel, nope, not happening. Um, Yuda, in, in a different world, it might be an interesting way to introduce him um, if he's going to stay in more frequently. Um, I think Gresham Yuta is going to be really, really good. I like Wheeler Yuta. What I've seen, the little bit I've seen of him with, with MLW and beyond and, and some other places. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see him in here. And I think he and Gresham, uh, they probably wrestled before um, in beyond or somewhere. So I think there should be some chemistry. Hey, I remember the word this time um, <laughs> between them. Uh, the bottom one to me is the hardest one to, to figure out the bottom, right? Uh, bracket or block there. Um, I, I would, I, again, I'm really excited about kind of the three, um, I guess Russ Taylor as well too, but the, the indie talents that they brought in for this, I I've liked Tony Deppen from what I've seen of him in Chikara and GCW and some other places. Um, but I, I don't know that he gets past PJ black because they seem to really like PJ black and ring of honor. Um, I'm going to go Kenny King. Um, wouldn't be shocked to see Woods there either, but I'm going to go King. So we've got King and Gresham. Um, now I'm, now I'm forgetting. You said Josh Woods and Gresham, right? I, I said Woods and I said, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Kenny King. Right. So right. I'll stick with Gresham Woods, Lethal Williams as my lethal Williams, and, and I've got Gresham King. Uh, and you know, if we were doing this in head to head, I would say lethal Williams because I would go the safe route there because I do think that's the most likely route. Um, but I'll go ahead and fantasy book it and say lethal um, and Fred Yehi. Um, do we want to pick the finals in the champion or do you want to do that um, in the weeks to come as we, yeah, let's do that in the weeks to come. Let's, you know, I, I imagine too, I don't, I forget if I apologize if I, if you said this about your viewing patterns or your desires to watch this, I'm going to be very much as, as if I need one more thing to watch. And we'll talk about this here momentarily as we talk about the next topic, <laughs> watch. I have so much wrestling to, that I try to watch as it is per week to add ring of honor to it. Now will just be that one additional hour, but I'm going to do my darndest to make it work and pull it off. Uh, and, and and really try to follow this because, um, it's again, it's new, fresh content. It's a product that we haven't seen for a while. I'm really going to be eager to see how they give this to us on TV and if they give us more than just pure title tournament matches when they give us their hour episode every single week. If they do, they have to give us something really tight and compact as a, kind of like a breather in between the two pure title matches or pure, pure tournament matches because those rules are so specific. Right. And they have announced uh, Dak Draper is the is an alternate for one of the blocks, I think, A. Um, and Brian Johnson is the alternate for the other block, which I think is B. I could have those flip for blocks. 
Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if Draper or Johnson end up in this tournament um, due to any reason, or do we see them maybe in um, in other matches, you know, that were taped that week, uh, that weekend um, in Ring of Honor. So, uh, and and who else will show up? You know, I I, I know they kept it pretty. Um, they didn't bring in a lot of extra people they didn't need, um, but I gotta think that there were more than eighteen wrestlers brought in. Um, so, uh, you know, I did, I did trivia the same time they were doing this with Ring of Honor. It looked to me um, like PCO was in a hotel room um, that night. And that's where, you know, the other folks who were definitely in the bubble, as they called it, were there. So is PCO going to appear on TV? Is, you know, who else is going to show up? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I also, I think, between the FS1 feed and the local feed that gets recorded, I think there's a Friday night one on FS1 that shows first, although that might be last week's episode. I can't remember how it works. Um, and if not, it's later on Saturday, 9 or 10 o'clock on Saturday night, uh, which at my age is later. So um, <laughs> Come on now. Don't put yourself with that brush. <laughs> but uh, So usually Sunday is when I'll try to catch it, like you said. Uh, this Sunday between some work obligations I have and uh, trying to watch some football, uh, which I won't get my Bears game, but that's a whole different problem. Um, Don't worry, they're losing. We'll see. Uh, Spoiler. Uh, all Heyman, <laughs> you quiet. Um, <laughs> you just hush it, Ash. We, we really should have had... A lion shirt, though. So at least Yeah, I, I was going to say, we really should have had a lion shirt. I do have my Bears stuff behind. Um, I, I got my, my hat over there. Well... If the Bears win this week, next week when we record, there will be many Bears things around, I'm sure. Uh, if the Lions win, it will be a banned topic. Um, <laughs> so, uh, last topic we want to cover, uh, we're already at an hour 10, we're going to go broad twice here, um, is, is just touching on the participants for the G1 Climax. The matches haven't been announced as we record this. They are being announced on Friday, show it, according to New Japan. Um, so perhaps next week when we record, uh, we may talk a little more in depth about certain matches that are are popping for us, although we know what the matches will be because it's a round robin. Everybody faces everybody. We just don't know what order they'll happen in yet. Um, coincidentally, we are uh, uh, going to be running, uh, I, well, I'm going to be running, we, whatever, a uh, pick em for the G1 Climax. So if anybody listens to this that is not a part of our, uh, our kind of wrestling friend group that we have, because it's a lot of folks from there that are going to be in it and wants to get in on it, let me know. Um, we're doing a pick them. It's you just pick the winners of every match and then you pick your winners of the blocks and your winner of the whole thing. So uh, that's the win. Maybe a little bit of um, dinero um, if you enter and win. So um, you can just message us. Um, you can hit us on Twitter or two spot monkeys, or you can also email two spot monkeys at gmail.com. Um, if you're interested in that, I get you the information. Anyways, slight plug out of the way there. Uh, the blocks, let's talk about block A. Holy stuff in this block. Um, first yeah, thing, it's a good so, thing you have the graphic there because like our jaws need to collectively be picked up off the floor when you see this array of talent. My word. I mean, right. You look at this. I mean, Yujiro Takahashi, Tai Chi. I, okay. Those aren't the name. Um, <laughs> With those two names out of the way now. <laughs> now we can talk about the rest of the block. Um, but uh, what was I going to say about this block? I mean, you know. It, it's kind of crazy. Uh, the first thing I notice is apparently uh, people like Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, Jay White, 
um, now able to get to Japan, uh, which is great. It'll freshen things up, add a few more folks in. Um, no real outsiders in the G1 this year, but uh, depending on what you consider Jeff Cobb, um, but he's kind of a freelance right now. So, um, I, Tom, pick two or three matches out of this block, obviously not knowing when they'll happen, but what, what are the two or three matches that you see in this block that you just go, yeah, I, I am there for that? Yeah, actually, give me one second because I need to refresh my brain and I can do it quickly while um, while we're together. So I apologize for any bad air. First, first, first one without a doubt is Osprey and Shingo. That's that's that, maybe it's not number one, but that is that is one of them for sure. Um, the, the the reason why I asked for a pause was because I was attempting to go back and remember what happened earlier this year, which again doesn't feel like it was 2020 at Wrestle Kingdom, because if my Google sheet that I have open will load, I do recall that I had, there were some of these guys that faced off on Wrestle Kingdom, and I had them as matches of the year still to this date, which in, in a year like this year, determining match of the year is going to be different. Maybe match oh, of the year yeah. with fans and versus match of the year without fans. So um, come on, Google, give me what I want. Um, all right. So I actually have Ibushi and Okada from Wrestle Kingdom on one four as my match of the year. So whether they, whether they attempt to, or don't attempt to equal that or exceed that here when they face off in this block, that is, that is something I would be looking forward to without a doubt. My fourth match of the year with now, granted, this is with fans because I actually have Sho and Shingo up here uh, in my top five, which was without fans, was Jay White and Ibushi. Uh, but I, but Will coming back changes a lot of things for me. So, um, yeah, Will, Shingo, Okada, Ibushi, because it was my match of the year, is my match of the year. And then did have we have we ever seen Shingo and Okada yet? I don't think so. Okay, so I want to make that my third because I like the freshness of it. How about you? I, I mean, but that's the thing. Like it's 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 almost like Baskin Robbins thirty one flavors. You want to try every single one, right? You, yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. I'm actually trying to pull up here real quick, um, Okada, and see if maybe they fought. Um, in any sort of Okada and Shingo, um, any sort of like multi-man match or uh, according to profight.db or profightdb.com, uh, there've been a number of multi-man matches. Um, looks like, you know, six man and eight man kinds of things. Um, a, a lot on a lot of the uh, road to and, and New Japan Cup day four, they had an eight man where they were against each other. Um, on their together special when they first came back, uh, Naito, Shingo, and Hiromu took on Okada, Sho, and Yo. Um, but it looks like a couple of tag matches on Road 2 shows, but I don't see anything single. Um, so yeah, yeah, first time for them singles. Um, coincidentally, nobody in the G1 in either block is making their debut this year. I think that's interesting. A um, couple of second-time entries. Um, in this block specifically, um, and I'm just going off NJPW's site, uh, Jeff Cobb, only his second, Will Ospreay, Shingo, and Taichi, all only making their third, or sec second, um, 
forays into uh, the G1 Climax. The most seasoned G1 Climax uh, competitors in this block are Okada and Minoru Suzuki, both in their ninth G1. Although Okada has been in nine straight, Suzuki has not been one in the last two years. Um, so interesting to see Suzuki back in this one. Uh, Shingo and Okada jumps right off the page to me um, because it's fresh, it's new, it's everything. Uh, Shingo against dang near anybody on this block. Um, you and I are both big Shingo fans. So um, Shingo Abushi looks really interesting to me as well. Um, and then, you know, I'm also looking forward to, and I don't quite know, well, I do know why, because they're going to beat the tar out of each other. Jeff Cobb and Minoru Suzuki, I think, will be really fun to watch here, too. Um, I also look forward to the date that Tai Chi takes on Yujiro Takahashi, because that will be one match that I can just look up the result. I really don't care to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll make it a little quicker to watch. Tai Chi has gotten a lot better. I, I, I rag on them here, but uh, Takahashi, not so much. Uh, tai Chi has gotten a lot better, and um, you know there certainly are Tai Chi and Ibushi have a, an issue going on um, over the tag titles or have had an issue, so that'll be interesting. You know, Tai Chi and Suzuki being in the same group um, faction will be interesting as well. So now I just gave you like eight matches, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see here. Uh, again, we may go well, let's just say it here because it will have probably started by the time we watch. If you had to pick a winner from block A today, who are you picking, Tom? And you don't have to make this pick in our pick em either. I won't hold you to it. Yeah, no, right. You know, it's funny because you were stealing the thunder of the thoughts that I was waiting to drop on you. So thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and nothing to do with the pick em too because obviously I'm going to do a little bit more research and digging on that. Oh, golly. Um I'm going to go to Okada, right? Because I overthought, I overthought the New Japan Cup and Okada was there in the end. So why would I not, and call it chalk, call it not chalk, whatever. Why would you not go here? Because even if he doesn't win the whole darn thing, having him be the block A winner, even if it comes down to, to you, know, one, you know, one match, it's still, it's still Okada. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot off of that and I might be overthinking things. Um, but I just had this feeling that had the pandemic not happened, <clears throat> evil was not the plan. I, I don't think evil was the plan. Um, I think Jay White was the plan. Uh, and, and I think we get back to that. Um, and they get back on the Jay White bandwagon. And I think Jay White wins block a here. Um, probably coming down to him and Okada, maybe they meet the last day or something in their tide and points or something along those lines. I think sometimes once we see the schedule, you can kind of see like, Oh, okay. It's, it's likely going to come down to these two guys because they face off on the last night or something like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they're scheduled um, to face each other. I, I think white's got a good shot. I, nothing wrong with an Okada pick, you know, the super outside pick would be, uh, Abushi. I don't think anybody else probably. I think Shingo and Osprey both have good showings, but I don't. I don't see them winning. Um, and then there's Yujiro Takahashi. Anyways, we do have Block B as well. Uh, Block B: Hiroshi Tanahashi, <laughs> Juice Robinson, who I agree with our friend Blake looks completely stupid there. Uh, Goto, Yano, 
show. No, not show. Yoshihashi, not show. Um, Naito, the IWGP and Intercontinental Champ, Sonata, Saber, Kenta, and Evil. Again, here, uh, Juice coming back, making his first uh, reappearance, um, and Kenta as well, getting back over there. Uh, just running through quickly, uh, any kind of the only one who's only in their second is uh, the is Kenta, uh, who's in a second G1. And then in this case, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, his 19th consecutive G1. Um, so Tanahashi, been around a long time. Uh, what matches, this This is not as star-studded as Block A. Certainly they loaded Block A. Um, but there's still some interesting matches here. And you got the champ uh, in this block as well, as well as the most recent former champ. Um, what, what are you looking forward to here? Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, I know, like, originally when the blocks came out, everyone was gaga over A. But, like, really, when I'm, I'm sitting here pausing for a moment, not that I didn't pause previously, but, like, this is a sick block, too. It's like saying, I want to eat steak. What kind of cut of steak are you going to have? You want a T-bone or you want a strip? They're both delicious. Come on, now. Uh, so, I, matches for sure. Um, give me Naito Kenta. Give me Naito Evil mm -hmm. and give me Naito Sonata. Spoiler alert, PWT's, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees had a sale last weekend for Labor Day. I bought a Naito t-shirt. It's sick. It's navy blue with red print. Uh, couldn't pass that up. Plus, I bought a J. White Black Lives Matter shirt. So future, future viewers on the podcast will see me wearing those when they finally arrive. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I I agree. This is this is good. Uh, Yoshihashi and Yano are going to get my Takahashi and Taichi love in this block, um, and Juice Robinson a little bit. Robinson's fine, but he's better in tag teams to me. I wonder uh, if he's going to be motivated though, right? He's he's right. not had a chance to do a lot recently, right? So getting uh, back here, right? Being back here, he's going to get a chance to go one on one with the world champ. He's going to get a chance to go one on one with Evil, who was the world champ until just recently. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to Evil and Sonata because this, I believe, will be their first one on one match since the split. Um, since Evil went to Evil Club, Bullet Club, whatever it is um, now. Um, in the same respect, I'm looking forward to Evil and Kenta for that reason. Um, I, I feel like. E there's going to be a story going on between Evil, Kenta, and Jay White as far as who's in control of Bullet Club. Um, at least it seems that way to me. Um, so I think Evil Kenta is going to be interesting there. Um, and and to go back to Kenta, uh, Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr., I think, uh, is going to be really, really fun to watch as well. Uh, certainly you have kind of those those classic you know tanahashi versus naito and and tanahashi versus saber kinds of matches uh, yano will pin somebody he shouldn't probably naito or evil would be my assumption he'll get a win over um because ghetto loves him some toro yano um, so he always seems to have at least one or two wins in the g1 that he totally should not have um and that may, might ruin things um, for somebody. So if you've got Okada in block A, what are you thinking in block B if you had to pick your winner today, Tom? 
And just to clarify, before I make this unattached, nothing on the line pick, the winner of G1 Climax is getting the title shot at Wrestle Kingdom 2021. That is, as far as I know, yes, that is. In, a, unless, yeah, unless a briefcase changes hands. They, they're fighting right. for the, the briefcase, if you will. Uh, so Okada, Block A. Give me Kenta on Block B. Nice, nice. Um, I, as I've been talking, you know, knowing that I was going to ask you that question, and obviously we knew that was coming, um, I am... I am wavering numerous times. Um, so if I have Jay White in block A, um, I, I could see either Evil or Kenta, again, going to that story that I kind of feel like is is coming between those three. Um, but, I, I, and I'm, I think I'm going to go that direction. I'm, I'm going to go Kenta. Um, I, Kenta Jay White feels a little strange because it's heel heel. Um, but, Assuming Naito is still the champion by Wrestle Kingdom, um, you know, having a heel challenger for for Naito makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I'm going to go Kenta. Um, as long as it's not Toriano, I'm good. So, um, and I, I don't think he's going to win the G1. So, so my one I'm question gonna... to you then would be, you know, if we do get a, a an All Bullet Club final, you know, we obviously they use the New Japan Cup and the Turn of Evil to bullet club or evil club uh do they you do do they do they do they play it straight here and 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 build to a longer story where someone finally claims a, a spot in the hierarchy or do we have two kind of major tournaments major uh events in the new japan scope that sees you know dynamic shifts I think that's a great question. I don't know if I have an answer to it. Um, I think watching how some of those interactions play out uh, throughout the night uh, or throughout the matches will be interesting. They they have announced that on nights when Group A is wrestling, Group B will not be there, so they're not going to do like multi-man matches with Group B people on Group A nights and vice versa. Um, I I totally understand that from the health and safety side of things. Um, I wish they could, because I think then you could get some interesting interplay between like those three gentlemen, especially, and and others as well. But um, from the health and safety, which obviously trumps all right now, um, that makes total sense. Because then if they have to, God forbid, somebody shows signs or symptoms, you know, they've only got to figure out what to do with one block. Maybe they don't have to mess up both blocks. Um, so I think that's smart for New Japan. Um, disappointing for me as a fan but I'll get over it. I'm still getting a G1. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, and, and, and who gets booted? Um, you know, evil can lay claim to the fact that he was in Japan and it is new Japan pro wrestling. Um, you know, Kenta was in Florida. Jay white was somewhere else. Um, Michigan with Alex Shelley. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Not, uh, I, mean, I don't know. That was that was where he stayed when he did his excursion. So I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. Um, we you know, a, and, and it seemed like White was maybe going to appear for Ring of Honor at one point. He had had a promo on their week to week a while back. Haven't heard his name a lot. Maybe he'll show up at the tapings, and we just didn't know it um, because, to your point, um, because there were no fans there. There's also no spoilers out. I love that. Um, I, I really do. I love that I'm going to be able to watch these shows from Ring of Honor 
without knowing anything. Um, we both have New Japan subscriptions, so we can both watch the G1. I wish they were doing live English commentary, but I'm just going to suck it up and, and deal with that. Um, my hope is to watch them kind of next day um, after they air. We'll see how far I get behind uh, after the first week or so. Um, but with only four matches, or five matches, I guess, each night, um, maybe maybe it'll maybe it'll go quicker than I think. Um, so so there's the G1. I'm sure we'll be talking about that as we continue to move forward um, with our episodes going on. Uh, we are at almost the 90 minute mark uh, today. This might be getting close to a record for our longest episode, um, but it's good to get back on track. Um, for me personally here and uh, for us as well to get back to talking wrestling, which is what we love. Uh, not that we didn't do that last week as well, but um, so good things here. Uh, Tom, anything we, <laughs> and there couldn't be anything we haven't covered, right? Um, anything we no, haven't this, covered. This was a good full episode and again, it's exciting. Again, I, I know we, we, we're, we're, it's fair to criticize, you know, we're, we're consumers of, of pro wrestling and that product, and we're going to be honest about what we like and what we don't like, what lands, what doesn't land. Um, but I think overwhelmingly, you know, I think the takeaway from this show for me is we've got a lot of options uh, and we've got a couple of cool, exciting things on the horizon uh, for us to to watch, to engage in and to come back and chat more about. And again, uh, anyone who's listening or watching, love for you to engage in that conversation too. Um, either through our, our our Facebook group that we have that we're partnered with or partnered participating in, uh, or or hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to to chat more. Um, and uh, it's going to be fun as we enter the fall season. Uh, again, we both love tournaments, so G one baby, here we go. G one pure title, and hey, I know it's not a football podcast, but football's back. Uh, real quick, Tom, who's your Super Bowl pick? haven't given this much thought uh, and it's really weird. I think we were chatting about this in the fantasy football room before we recorded because there's been no preseason. So you don't even know kind of who's sticking out or what type of game plans or pivots from a game plan that we may see. AFC, I'm not going to deviate from the chiefs. I'm going to go with the chiefs. I think they are the, the class of the division. I don't know that the Ravens have done enough to, overcome them yet and i don't know that there's anyone else in afc that i would be comfortable choosing nfc i think it would be very um homerish to go oh you gotta go with tampa bay because that's where tom brady went but i know that that's the quote unquote sexy pick for a lot of people if they can pull it all together and who knows maybe they've had a chance to gel maybe they haven't i won't go with tampa bay I'm going to go with I don't know in the NFC. I'm sorry. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Seattle. I, I, and that's a home, that's a homer pick for me. I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. Um so on Wisconsin. Seattle Seattle, Kansas City, Super Bowl pick today. There you go. My mine might change a half an hour from now. Um if you ask me again. Um, and I, I sense yours might too, Tom. Um, I, I am with you. Uh, Kansas City on the AFC side, again, Baltimore's the only one that can probably get close to touching them. I think the Patriots are going to be good, but not great. Um, I think the Bills are on the rise, but I don't think they're there just yet. Um, although the addition of, of Stefan Diggs um, and, and that defense that they've got, I mean, the Bills could surprise some people. I, they're going to be a scary team. 
Um, and when you meet them in the playoffs, because I do think they're going to win that division, that's a scary team in the playoffs. Um, and especially, you know, they've added another running back in Zach Moss. Anyways, I like the Bills a lot, but I just don't think they're there. And the playoffs are different this year. There's seven teams from each 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 right. conference. So that's that's another, you know, whoever gets that top record, they are the one team that gets a bye. Right. I was going to say just one bye this year, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that's huge. Um, and I think Kansas City... Um, probably steamrolls most people this year. Uh, I just, they're too darn good. Uh, the NFC, I agree with you. It's so wide open. Um, you know, the Niners are obviously a, um, I think a safe pick to be very, very good again. As we talked about last week, I'm going to be a Niners fan this year as well as my bears. Um, so that's a little homerish, but I, I do think they're a, I think the NFC West as a whole is going to be really good and really fun to watch, um, them beat each other up. Um, somebody's going to survive out of that division, I think, more than anything, because I think you've got um, four teams that are at least good, um, if not very, very good. Um, Tampa Bay, I it's going to go one of two ways, and I said this to somebody last night. Either Tom Brady is going to just trash everybody and prove that he is the greatest of all time, and he's still the greatest, and you know they're going to just throttle people because he has something to prove, or it's going to blow up in everybody's face. Um, I don't think there's any, like, eight and eight, nine and seven record in Tampa Bay. I think it's either 13 and three or it's six and 10. Um, and six and 10 would be a huge disappointment in Tampa Bay at this point. I I gotta be honest. I think it's more six and 10 than eight, eight than 13 and three. Um, I'm, I'm going to go new Orleans. I just think um, they're a solid team. They've got a really good D um, which has not always been the case in new Orleans. Um, you know, it's hard to bet against Drew Brees. He's got, plenty of weapons around him. Um, I'm going to go New Orleans, but yeah, I agree. You asked me in half an hour, especially on the NFC side, uh, you know, will I ever pick the Bears? Yeah, no, um, probably not. Will you pick the Lions? Yeah, no, probably not. I don't um, know. So here's the scoop. Last year, there were a lot of people who thought the Niners were the team to improve. A lot of people that I've read, and I've not read a lot, are saying that the Lions are in that type of position where – they look a lot like the Niners team from a year ago. Now, that's a lot of this has to fall here, this has to fall there. And again, I don't know if I will be around on this earth long enough to see the Lions make the playoffs again, let alone make a Super Bowl. So Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to hold my breath. you are because I think it's probably a ways off. So I hope you are uh, for a long time, Tom. Um, You know, the Niners, I think, are an interesting parallel because – Nobody expected that defense to be as good as it was last year. Everybody thought it was going to be a really bad defense, honestly. And it turned into a stellar defense. I don't think anybody's necessarily looking at the Lions defense and thinking, oh, that's a scary D this year. But yet they've added some pieces in that. Maybe maybe there is. And correct me if I'm wrong, Matt Patricia was the defensive coordinator in New England. Right, yeah. Um, you know, and, and he was successful there. Um, they should be able to play decent defense. The Bears should be able to play decent offense. Matt Nagy was good in Kansas City. Uh, yeah. Um, the issue is under center there in Chicago. Uh, yes and no. The issue was also to the left and right of center uh, last year. Uh, both positions on either side. The line was awful. Um, and they didn't really do a whole lot to address that. So I'm I'm scared. Uh, but anyways, we're not a football podcast. Just thought that'd be fun. Put our Super Bowl picks out there. We'll see. Um, I'm guessing we both have the Chiefs probably winning that Super Bowl. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you had me pick a Super Bowl winner, I, along with, you know, millions of others would pick Kansas City. You, know, you probably got to bet $400 to win 10 um, because the odds are probably so terrible for a Kansas City pick. Well, we definitely have a lot to revisit based on where we've put our mouths out there today on this episode. So we'll see. Not that, not that, not that anything's in the line, but you know, right. we'll be Just, we'll be able to come back and have humble bragging rights, or we'll be able to say, "Wow, can you believe?" Right, I actually got that right. Um, so, and hey, maybe one of us will be bragging because it's our team that actually is the team that surprises everybody. I, you know, nobody's betting on either of our teams this year, so it would surprise if that happens. So. Hey, everybody, uh, stay safe, uh, wear a mask, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Let's get through this thing. Um, and let's please be good to each other. Um, stop politicizing stuff. Just, just stop. That's, that's my hope for this world, um, is just stop. Um, and, and let's be good to one another. That's, that's, what's going to get us through this and everything else in life. So, um, Tom, as always a pleasure, my friend. Um, and, uh, we will be back hopefully next week sometime, uh, to talk about all the things that we got right and all the things that we got wrong this week. Absolutely. Have a great week, everybody.